Welcome to Act Two by Choosing Him Ministries with Tisha Janes and Andrew Pate, a place where life stories are told, encouragement is shared, and hope is found. Good morning, listeners. We are so happy that you are joining us today. And we are also super excited to have Kristen Shrex with us. Uh, Kristen, good morning. How are you? I am doing well. How are you ladies doing? We're doing we good. good. We're doing we good. good. Um, so I just met Kristen now, just now. She and Tisha, you guys know each other how? Through church was actually the first time, but we really haven't had an opportunity to really sit down together and, and especially not to even share our stories. So um, I'm super excited to hear your story today. We have lots of mutual friends. We've done Bible Yay! study together. Um, but yeah, I've never been able to say, hey, let's sit down and let's share our, you know, our stories. So today we'll get to do that. Yay! Well, well I'll have it. I have a sweet story about Tisha. So I don't know if she knew I was going to tell her this, but so we moved, we were transplanted to Georgia 10 years ago. Now I can't believe we've been here 10 years. And Tisha was one of the first women that I met at the church we were visiting at the time. And she just had this beautiful spirit about her. And I just saw and felt the Lord in her. And it was someone that I was drawn to and was like, I want to get to know her better. And so we were in Bible study together. And uh, I know her sister very well through connections at school and things. And she has, her sisters taught my daughters. And so we have kind of special connections that way, but it's just, Tisha has always been someone that I'm like, that woman knows and loves the Lord and is Proverbs 31 woman, like perfectly packaged. So you're so kind. You're so sweet. Well, and that, that was a very special Bible study. We did Mary D um, another mutual friend that we have was leading it. And it was just a really special group that that time. So I'm so great. very thankful for that. Aww. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's, it's, you know, so I grew up in Oklahoma and a uh, really small town, Oklahoma I grew up with a younger sister and a younger brother. Uh, my dad always owned his own businesses. And then my parents decided that they needed to get us out of one stoplight, small town, Oklahoma, and moved to the big city of Tulsa, Oklahoma. <laughs> and so we moved there. I was 12, almost 13. So it was really, you know, trend, trans transitional transformative you know time in my life and it was really difficult and you know I have a sixth grade daughter who has gone through some similar challenges with changes in friends and middle school and all that's involved with that and you know just looking back on on that big move even though it was still in Oklahoma meeting new people and um, but I really believe that that was the beginnings of you know what God was had planned for my life and and my sister and brothers and you know how my parents took that that big step to move there. And then um, when my husband and I got married in 2001, we were transplanted to Philadelphia in 2004, you know, just in my opinion, still being newlyweds, um, only married a few years. And we lived there for six years, um, opened a hospital there together, which was crazy work to <laughs> be working from, you know, 6, 7 a.m. till 7, 8 p.m. every day. I think the corporate apartment we lived in, I don't even remember what it looked like because we only saw it in the dark, <laughs> you know, so we would leave when it was dark and we would come home when it was dark, but you know, those, those transitions and moves and, you know, and then we moved here um, 10 years ago. And so this is the longest place we've ever lived together, you know, as a couple, our girls were one and three when we moved here. So George is really all that they know. Um, but it's interesting to see like all the intersections of life um, and now being 
almost 45. <laughs> um, I look back on things and, and seeing the ladies and I were talking at the beginning of the show, um, how they have girls graduating from high school and my oldest is going into high school in the fall. And just thinking about the ways that God puts people in your life, how you think his plan is one way and really he has another plan for you. Uh, so I think those are a lot of the things that I would love to share today because I just feel like so many of us um, we feel these tugs and pulls in different directions and it's hard to just like be quiet and listen to what God actually has in store and what his good and perfect plan is. Absolutely. Well, tell us about a time in your life where you really felt like you had your plan, your game. And this is, you know, as firstborn, <laughs> yep. and I plan. <laughs> we want everybody else to get in line with it. Right. And so oh, oh, yeah. God. <laughs> Okay, God, here's my, my blueprint. Now I'll get busy. And um, yes, well, and I'm married to a firstborn. I'm a firstborn. And then we have, as I said, two girls that are almost 14 and almost 12, both in middle school. And, you know, I feel sorry sometimes for our second board because she's like surrounded by three firstborns. But I, I think the a real pivotal point in my life, and of course, now looking at my daughter getting ready to embark on high school, is I really thought I was going to go to medical school. My mom's a nurse. You know, I grew up loving healthcare helping people, um, you know, all of that. In fact, I spent summers volunteering at um, the University of Oklahoma Medical Center Pediatric Clinic. And I really felt like that God was calling me into the medical field. And it was my junior year of high school at the graduation for the, you know, the year ahead of me. So we were singing at their graduation and I have a background in music and uh, we were singing there and very poignantly on the stage as we were singing the song. And I couldn't tell you what that was right now, but I saw the crowd in front of me and God was saying, you're going to use your voice in a different way. It's not going to be medical school. You're going to use that voice that you're singing with in a way, you know, to bring others to me. And so I changed direction, started taking voice lessons my senior year, um, actually started doing some pageants because I wanted to go to a private Christian university, which my parents could not afford. And my piano teacher is like, I paid for all my school doing the Miss Oklahoma pageant. And I was like, Miss Julie, I'm not a pageant girl. This is not me. I've never done anything like this. I don't want to do this. And God really opened that door. And actually I ended up paying for all my undergrad and my master's degrees completely debt-free um, doing the Miss America and Miss Oklahoma pageants. So, you know, that was something that I did not see at all. Um, I was kind of more on the tomboy side and, you know, and then God opens this door and began to use that platform as a way to allow me to speak to larger crowds of people. And I finished debt-free with my master's in music, sang with an opera company for a while, but then... <laughs> Then, you know, after getting married and finishing grad school, um, God opened a door in healthcare for me. And um, actually a friend who had hired me to sing at events and knew me well from those things and been instrumental in my life, helping me get scholarships. Um, he said, there is a cancer hospital in Tulsa. They're looking for someone with a marketing and PR background, which I had done my minor in that. Highly recommend if you're listening and you're going to college, uh, always have a backup plan. <laughs> you know, 
Because you never know what the Lord is going to do. And, you know, um, he knew that I wasn't going to spend my time full time on the road singing, um, but that I was going to use it. Just tell our daughters, (laughs) make your plans and have a backup. Yeah. 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 So I did a minor in marketing and public relations. And of course that paid the bills. So, I mean, that was the, probably the biggest pivotal moment as a young person, but you know, then there was another one that, that I talk about a little bit, uh, but But I don't know. I would like to say, I, I'm amazed that you did not do voice lessons until you're, you're a senior because yeah. I mean, she, when she says she sings with opera, her, she's got, you have a CD out now too. So for our listeners, you need to go CD. Is that what you call it? I, yeah, <laughs> whatever. You can download it on the Apple iTunes. Yeah. yeah. You can listen to it on Apple I music. Think it's that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but if listeners, if you right. haven't heard, um, Kristen, you need to go and get that music because it it will just it will blow your mind away. Uh, it's just amazing, it really is. So I'm I'm amazed that when you say you didn't start voice lessons until your senior year because you will sound like someone who has been from birth like groomed for like <laughs> the big stage, and you just wow. kind of walked on. God just like opened that door, and mm-hmm. um, most people are kind of backing off on training. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely a God-given gift. Well, it for sure. I mean, that's where I really learned about God's anointing and how like when he calls people to a purpose and he anoints them, sometimes it takes them longer (laughs) to figure that out because they have their own plans. And I remember in my college dorm, I think my mom bought it for me. It said, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. And that is so true because yes, all the time you're like, God, I'm going to, especially firstborns, God, I'm going to do this. It's going to happen here. And even with my music, I really felt like I was going to move to New York and I was going to pursue musical theater or opera or both because I did my undergrad in classical and my master's in musical theater because I wanted to be that well-rounded, you know, performer. And it's crazy how then God began to shift um, my heart and my thinking. And even when we lived in Philadelphia six years, I did some singing while I was there um, and did some auditioning here and there. But I just, you know, it was like, you didn't have that joy or that peace in that moment. And so I just kept searching, you know, like, God, what am I, what am I missing in, in this? And, and he had a different plan. So I spent eight years working in oncology and in cancer healthcare, being an advocate for cancer patients, um, you know, opening and leading a guest services and patient loyalty department um, for six years in Philadelphia. My husband still works for the same company here in Georgia. Um, he's been with the company now 17 years and, you know, it's, it's crazy how, I mean, he has a master's in nonprofit business management, um, but for years and years, the hospital was a for-profit hospital. And now it's recently been bought out um, by a nonprofit hospital organization. So um, it's, he's like, I never saw myself, you know, working in cancer healthcare and especially not, you know, 17 years. So I think we both have um, similar moments and things where God really flung open the door, but I see how that door opened for me first with the organization, but really all along, I believe God was doing it 
as a doorway for my husband because he just is thriving there. He is the heart and soul of that facility. Um, he leads the culture in such a phenomenal, amazing way. But he has always been the one to say, if you want to pursue music, you know, we'll move and, and do whatever. And he always said that. But I just, I knew in my heart that that wasn't what I was supposed to do full time. And then of course, babies come along and your heart gets tugged in other directions. But you still want your life to be meaningful and you want it to be purposeful and you want, you want to leave a legacy, you know, and that was always my big thing when I was, so as Miss Oklahoma, when, when I was Miss Oklahoma in 2000, which is 22 years ago now, uh, I spoke to kids in middle and high schools all over the state of Oklahoma. And one thing I talked about is, you know, are the decisions you're making today going to be part of leaving the legacy that you want to leave tomorrow? And long after you're gone, you know, how, how do you want to be remembered and how do you want people to remember you? And I try to teach my daughters that as well, uh, just from being obedient to God, being obedient and respectful to parents and elders and others, because you just don't know, like, what doors that's going to open for you and, and, and how, you know, your path is going to go. And I'm like, if you follow hard after the Lord, all the days of your life and you seek him first, uh, all those other things, you know, are going to be added. And even if they're not what you feel is ideal to be added, um, he, he knows, and he does, he knows what's ideal <laughs> for you. Yeah. He does. He does. Um, okay. So you were Miss Oklahoma and then you went on to even a bigger stage. Mm -hmm. Tell us what that was like. That was, I mean, it was really a, a lifetime amazing experience. And what's crazy is when I was in LA two weeks ago, I reconnected with the gal that was Miss West Virginia, um, my year at Miss America. So we've stayed in touch with some of the women and um, Angela, who won Miss America um, my year, has gone through her own journey of breast cancer. And I've been able to support her and help her and encourage her just with my connections with cancer healthcare. And, and you know, now she speaks on behalf of advocating for your personal health. Uh, so it's interesting to see that 20 plus years later, you know, I'm still in touch with these women. And so the, those of you who've watched Miss Congeniality and all those things, it is not that way. <laughs> I mean, there are many girls in the world. We all know that there are girls that that choose to not be kind and nice to others. And, and maybe it's an issue of personal self-esteem or just, you know, wanting to put other people down to lift themselves up. But I did not experience that in, in that world. You know, I spent five years um, in the pageant world, I guess you could say. But we had um, a chaplain who gave us like a devotional for the week while we were there. Uh, we had, you know, so many women of God that I was surrounded by and women who didn't know the Lord, you know, were asking what made us different. You know, how are we finding peace and joy in a very stressful situation? You know, put an 18 year old in front of seven professional adults who have amazing resumes and they're grilling you, you know, for seven to 10 minutes in an interview, you know, lightning setting, almost like being a press secretary where you're standing at the podium and being grilled all these questions. Um, you know, try doing that with that age of person. I mean, it makes you grow really quickly. Um, and, you know, you would have other people say, how, how are you dealing with this? I'm about to have like an anxiety attack, you know? And I said, well, I pray a lot and, <laughs> and I read the word and just really try to ask for God to give me peace, you know, in these situations. So 
it's been neat to see how like those circles of friendships are still there after 20 plus years. So that's really cool. Okay. So after that time in your life, I'm sure that like most firstborns, you have a next plan and your next step. <laughs> Tell us where God led you. And I mean, I, I don't know what your plans were after doing the yeah. years, but um, what were your plans and how did you see God kind of mm -hmm. shift those or alter those to where you are now? Yeah, I actually had received a scholarship to a um, vocal training facility in Philadelphia where they only accepted like five to 10 vocalist every year. And of course, as a soprano, it was really, really tough and challenging and hard. You know, had I had a different voice type, it might have been a little easier to get in. But, you know, God just kept shutting that door. And I, and I went back to it two or three times. And he shut that door for me to do that. But it was interesting how then the door opened to work at Cancer Treatment Center. And, you know, I began to have opportunities to actually sing to patients and like see their blood pressure lower after surgery. And I began to like, God would put me in those situations, even in my role as guest services director, you know, staff would know about that talent that I had. And they would call me in to like, if a patient was, was passing away and they just needed someone to come and sing a hymn to them or, you know, so God like sprinkled that in there where I was still able to use that gift that he gave me. Um, but then in my own personal life, I had a really scary health scare at 27. So Michael and I, the day after our third anniversary, uh, we didn't have kids yet. We didn't start our family until we'd been married almost seven years, uh, just because of our moves and, and involvement in the long hours we both worked in healthcare. Uh, I had just been working for Cancer Treatment Center for like four months, five months. I had a precious friend, Brooke, who I'd competed in pageants with, who got diagnosed with stage four ovarian cancer at 21. Uh, and then I had a stroke at 27 and very terrifying night. We'd only been married three years. Um, I was, I'll just be frank and honest with you. I was on birth control, of course, because we were newlyweds, didn't want to have kids yet. And that's the doctor said was the best way. And I had had symptoms leading up to it, like tingling in my hands and feet, really bad migraines, um, just not feeling myself. But I honestly thought it was because I was finishing grad school. I had a new job, you know, I was new wife. And I was also commuting a long way for my uh, master's program a couple of days a week. So, you know, I thought it was just stress. And then I went through all of these tests and my husband and I were determined we weren't going to stop until we got to the bottom of this. But what's crazy is the doctor, when I got rushed to the hospital, the ER doctor told me to never take that ever again. So it's like he knew that night, but we needed to go through all these tests to be sure I didn't have a brain tumor or a blood clot in my lungs or a hole in my heart. I mean, there were all these tests that I had to go through and before I even was even going to consider having a child too. So I think that was also part of our journey was like, I needed to make sure that I was going to be okay, you know, because if synthetic estrogen in my birth control caused me to throw a clot and have a stroke, I mean, I had full left side paralysis for over an hour. It was a miracle that I didn't have lifelong damage. Uh, so from that moment, and that was, you know, 15 years ago, um, I, or well, gosh, I guess it's 18 years ago now, but when that happened, I began to eliminate hormone disruptors and endocrine inhibitors in my life, like cleaning products in the house, the kind of 
pans and dishes and things we used. But what's crazy is I didn't eliminate like my personal care products because I thought I was buying nicer and what said was safe or organic. Um, but then it was 10 years after that stroke that I discovered I was still exposing myself to things that could actually cause me to have another, you know, occurrence. Um, and then with my journey with my friend, Brooke, um, this is just all leading to the whole advocacy thing, how God had a different plan. Um, for probably a year and a half, she had symptoms, but doctor after doctor just said, oh, this is normal, you know, 18, 20 year old symptoms, you know, we'll just do this or that, or put you on this or that. So I really now advocate to women and men that if you feel like something isn't right in your body and you feel like things are going on that aren't, are not right, you have to listen, you know, and, and that's, those are those moments that I feel like we have to slow down and, you know, know that, um, I have one scripture that comes to mind is first Corinthians six 20, where it says we were bought with a price, you know, and that the Lord paid a big price for us. So we must take care of our bodies, you know, and our bodies are a temple of the Holy ghost and that he wants us to, um, to take care of it and find time to take care of it. So in my rush, it was like, that's how I slowed down. <laughs> and that moment I had that stroke was like, okay, if I feel like something is off in my body and, you know, you, you, through the years, I've had friends who've had different types of cancer or infertility or health problems. And, and we've talked about like, well, what, when, and what do you feel changed or what things were happening in your life? And so much has to do with stress and, and anxiety and things that were facing things, even like unforgiveness, you know, of, of past things that we have to let go of, you know, to let God come in and heal. So I think for me, just that moment was such a moment of, um, like you are going to, God's now going to use you for this moment. That was very terrifying. And my husband thought, hey, I'm going to lose my wife, you know, or she's going to be paralyzed forever, um, to going, okay, I, I'm now going to speak on behalf of women and tell them there are other options, you know, for this and their alternatives and, and begin to advocate for that. And now in my current job, uh, I advocate all the way to Capitol Hill and I have partners with me and business partners in Canada that advocate in parliament to change laws, to remove more and more hormone disruptors and, and environmental toxins from our everyday products. Because honestly, it's been since 1938, <laughs> far before any of us were born and maybe even our grandmothers were born. Um, they um, have not passed any sort of regulation, you know, preventing companies from putting these ingredients in our products. So, you know, now my job has shifted, but it's funny how God is using my talent musically um, in speaking and then also in healthcare, you know, to advocate for families' health, not just women's, but families. And that's a big deal right now. I mean, you mentioned moving towards the organic field, but there's so much, especially in the past two years, when we're talking about chemicals and and things like that. People are really reaching out and searching um, in a different way than they've ever done before mm -hmm. about whether putting it into their bodies. And um, yeah. so, yeah, so if somebody, if one of our listeners are like, okay, talk more, you know, if, if that hooked them about this is what I'm, I want to know more about what do you do, tell us a little bit about how you moved into that and what you yeah. do with in that field. 
So it was, I mean, my youngest was in kindergarten and then, so my oldest would have been in second grade and I met another mom at my kid's school and I was starting to have like these crazy like skin reactions to products I'd used for years. And, you know, I always like put aside a budget and saved up, even when times were hard for Michael and I, I was like, I've got to have good skincare and I've got to have good makeup because my grandma always taught me you need to take care of your skin while you're young and you'll look, you know, young the rest of your life. <laughs> so, um, you know, those were things that Michael always knew as a non-negotiable and like, we're going to, I'll give up other things before, you know, I give up good products. And I always thought I was using something good and safe, but I, I didn't know what I didn't know. And so my friend began to say, well, maybe you're maybe there's ingredients in your products like fragrance or parabens or phthalates. And she started listing off these things, which I had heard those words, but I didn't know that they were in my products that I was using every day. And then I started researching and seeing that they were like hormone disrupting toxins and had research links to infertility and um, all these other health concerns, cancer and other things. And um, then I started reading my own labels of products I was using and ingredient after ingredient after ingredient. And she said, well, I've partnered with this new company. It's only a year and a half, two years old. They only have a few products, uh, but they are all about eliminating uh, these environmental toxins. And so in Europe at the time, they banned over 1300 um, toxins and ingredients and products that were put on shelves in Europe. But in the U.S. It was only 11. Um, and now it's 30, which I'm like, woohoo, we've gone from 11 to 30 in the six and a half years I've been part of this company. Uh, so we have a long way to go. Uh, but, you know, it all, yes, it does take more time to formulate a product that's clean and that's safe, but you can make healthy, safe decisions um, without having to break the bank or spend a huge amount. Now we do offer a full line of, you know, clean skincare, cosmetics, personal care. We even offer a clean deodorant and it actually works. <laughs> and, you know, we, um, so just my connections and work with cancer and seeing how one of the first things the naturopathic doctors would tell a newly diagnosed cancer patient, they would start listing off things they needed to stop eating or stop using or avoiding in their everyday um, products and, you know, educating myself with that and then being involved with this company. I think what attracted me though, the most is this company goes beyond just clean beauty um, and personal care. We are very active in eliminating child labor, um, human trafficking, um, sourcing our ingredients, making sure that every ingredient that we use in our products is ethically sourced. Um, you know, we uncovered, um, a multitude of really alarming and disheartening and actually angering um, things from where one of our specific ingredients called mica, it's the shimmer and shine that you get in your lip gloss and your eyeshadow. It's very clean and safe and natural, and it's derived from the earth. Uh, we actually have a mica mine in Hartwell, Georgia, only a couple hours from where I live. And it's, it's, we buy about 90% of our mica from that mine here in Georgia, but in the world, um, the majority of mica is mined in India, in North Africa, in other countries around the world. And what we discovered when we were auditing all of our um, locations of where we were purchasing is we were, we found that four-year-olds as young as four years old children were being sent into these mines every single day. And, um, we, 
and what it makes me cry just thinking about it, because I think of these mothers who feel like they have no other choice to provide for their family than to send their children into these dark, scary, and dangerous environments um, in order to work for their family. But when we begin to uncover this, um, and you guys, mica is not just used in beauty. It's used in your car paint. It's used in the screens that we're facing in our computers today. Um, just look up M-I-C-A. Mica is a mineral, and it is used in, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. And so many dirty secrets are behind that industry. And that's what we found. And so, so instead of just saying, we're not going to buy from this mine anymore, we are actually jumping in and being part of the solution, like supporting foundations that are removing children from these situations and finding better way to provide for their families. Because the bottom line is you can't just say, oh, and we're not going to send any more children or, or elderly into these mines. And then their families starve or they starve because that was their only way of providing income, you know, for their family. So there's just so much, um, involved with that, but having two daughters and knowing that human trafficking is not just an international issue. It happens here at home. It happens in our communities. Um, so that's where I've gone beyond, you know, what, what I really felt like God was calling me to do. I think that's the part of the legacy that I can be part of and I can educate and expose my children to being part of, and, and they can't wait until we can travel to India and these other countries and, and even be involved in, in organizations right here in, in Georgia, you know, that are involved in helping free um, women and children from human trafficking situations. So uh, that's, that's the part that gets me fired up and gets me really passionate because it's, uh, it just, it changes your job and the day-to-day to going, this is something that's going to change someone's life. And I think about those mothers that have been praying for maybe even someone like me or someone like you to come in and speak up, you know, and say, Hey, there's, there's a better way here. We can, we can be smart about the purchases we make. We can be smart about the companies we buy from and the, and the places we support, you know, we can choose better uh, because we have those options and we're more educated now, instead of just grabbing something off the shelf, it's like, well, where did this come from? You know? So to follow that up with that, You've got a listener here who is saying that's you're very accomplished. Like you are a singer, you've you've got the personality to go out and be a, a doer. You've run, helped run a hospital, so you've got a listener who's saying that's like wow. But I could never do that. Like I I don't have those gifts or talents to be, you know, head of a hospital or to be this, this advocate. What would you say to encourage that person um, who's seeking out what their calling is? Maybe. Mm-hmm. God hasn't revealed that yet, or maybe they just are so insecure, you know, thinking, I don't know what I, what I can do to offer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What would be your advice? I I mean, I think, so I go back to, I know it feels like, and to me personally, it doesn't feel like that I've accomplished a lot in my life. It's just been my personal journey, but I go back to that moment where we were moving to a new town and I knew no one. And I was the awkward girl with braces and glasses and, and scrawny and got made fun of, you know, all the time for all of those things and feeling like my life didn't count or didn't matter. Um, my parents taught me to search outside myself instead of making it about me, you know, what things like fire you up, what things make you excited and give you 
passion. You know, what, what is that for you? Is it helping a friend and neighbor? Is it, you know, going like for me, it was going on a mission trip. You know, my parents sent me away to Bolivia for a month from between my junior and senior year. And it was probably the best thing ever, but I wanted to go. Uh, I actually wanted to go to Thailand, but there was a lot of unrest there at the time. So we had to, I had to pick a different country. So, you know, I spent a month in South America and, but I think as an adult, if you're there and so many of us can be, you know, in our twenties, thirties, forties, fifties and go, um, I don't know if I've done what God wants me to do yet. You know, what do you have in store Lord? You know, what, what can I do that's different? And what I even tell women that I mentor every day who feel like they are not enough or they don't have what it takes to be a successful leader or, you know, I mean, I never saw God putting me into this industry. I never saw this plan. In fact, I said no to it for a while because my friends like you have an advocacy background. You need to do this, even if it's just for the involvement of the advocacy part. And I really pushed back because I, I felt like I was going to have to be a salesperson or, you know, a recruiter and all these things. And, and she said, you just need to tell your story. So that's what I tell people. I'm like, tell your story. Your story may not seem like anything big or important or bestseller to you, but to the person that you're sharing it with, with, you know, being genuine and being heartfelt and just being honest, um, that story may completely change someone else's life. And maybe you don't know that while you're here on earth, you know, maybe it's something that happens when you're in eternity, you know, and someone walks up to you and says, I know you didn't feel significant, but your story was significant to me. You know, your story saved my life or changed my life. Or, you know, you, because your husband worked here, you know, my husband was able to get care or treatment or whatever, you know, I mean, there's just things along the way that I think about that we are so hard on ourselves and, you know, we feel so helpless, but even, you know, in Psalms, I think it's um, 121 says, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, you know, and when you feel helpless, just stop, be still, be quiet and say, you know, God, what would you have for me? And I think for me, it was that I had educated myself. I found that I shouldn't be using certain ingredients, especially with my health history and my own mother and sister's health history. Um, I, I knew that was something I was passionate about. I'm a girl. I love my makeup and love my skincare. So I was like, I like sharing things that I love with people. You know, don't we all tell our friends where we get our hair done or where we've gone to a good restaurant or where we take our kids to the pediatrician or whatever, you know? So I just, I felt like this is something I can just share my story, you know, and I can, I can tell maybe their story is not like huge. They had a stroke, spent a night in the hospital and, and, you know, had to completely turn their life around because of that, if they wanted to live a healthy and full life, but just sharing your story, I think, and, and owning it and being proud of it. And, and it may not seem exciting to you, but your story is, is, could be, you know, someone else's answer to prayer. Absolutely. Yeah. Very well, very well. So <clears throat> we ask everyone at the end of our, our little podcast, like, what do you want to be remembered by? And I feel like you've kind of sprinkled this throughout your entire talk with us today, but you know, what do you want to be remembered by? Oh, I think, well, for sure, for my daughters and my husband that, that they know that I loved them, did all I could to pour into them. But I think as a whole, if a stranger was going to say, you know, I met Kristen 
on the street and she made me feel loved. She made me feel seen. Um, you know, she empowered me, you know, to do something outside of what was comfortable for me. Um, I, I love stretching myself. And so I love to help others, you know, stretch themselves beyond what is comfortable. So I would say that, that I made an impact to, you know, help others see beyond, um, you know, what, what they felt they were equipped to do, because I think none of us feel equipped, but the Lord comes in and equips us, um, in ways that we never, never could see coming. So I, I hope that people know that, that I love them. I'm proud of them. And I see the good that God has in them. And that, um, sometimes we just have to get beyond ourselves to discover that. Amen. That's great. That's great. <laughs> You've really blessed us today. Thank you for sharing your story and your journey. And I know that everyone who hears this is going to be inspired, not only what you've been through, but I think really been challenged and encouraged in their own walk you know, to evaluate where they're at and to say, how can God use me? And I don't have to be equipped, but I just have to serve the equipper and mm-hmm. take care of it just one step at a time. And I Surrender, right? Willing to surrender. <laughs> I definitely think that um, there are going to be some women, women out there who have questions and want to dig in more to what you're advocating for. So what is a way that people can connect with you? And we'll definitely link it in our notes as well. Well, I think in this day and age, it's easy to find me on Instagram, you know, or social media. Absolutely. Um, my website is still in the works. I would send them there, but it is, it's not a place to go to yet. <laughs> it's, it's still in process. Um, I need more hours in the day, but I would just say, if you just find me, Kristen Shrix, it's, um, you know, this, you can put my name on there. K-R-I-S-T-I-N-S-C-H-R-I-K-S. Um, I am on Instagram. They can message me that way. Um, I'm good to follow up with people that way. And I don't have a ton of followers, but, um, you know, I, I try to be in intentional with that platform and, you know, use it in a way that's inspiring and, and educating and motivational. So well, thank you. Thank yes. you again yeah. for your time yes. for being with us um, and listeners, you know, as we always end, whatever your journey is, um, own it, surrender it and let God use it. Y'all have a blessed day. Bye guys.